This is the Overtime Podcast Network. This is the Turn on the Jets podcast. I don't have to convince any one of those eight defensive coaches how effed up I am. These players, they want to defend MetLife Stadium for you guys. Now, here's your host, Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. Recording from the Vivid Seat Studio with a reminder that with promo code OVERTIME, you get 10% off your first ticket purchase in their mobile app up to $100. Again, that is promo code OVERTIME. And if you do happen to use those tickets to go out to Jets Cowboys next week, our friends at Game Day Tailgate Experience are going to have a free tailgate set up out in Secaucus that features former Jet Tony Richardson, all-you-can-eat buffet, cash bar, live music, games, giveaways, and more. Uh, we will share out the links with more info on our social, but that's game day tailgate experience for Jets Cowboys. Sign up now and you can get into the tailgate for free. Today, we are going to talk with Dan Eason of our very own TurnOnTheJets.com about adjustments the New York Jets can and should make over their bye week and what they can learn from other teams who are finding a way to compete and win in less than optimal situations. As usual, we'll go for about 20 or 25 minutes or so. As of the recording of this podcast, we still do not know if Sam Darnold is going to play this Sunday. I would still say it is unlikely. He did practice today on Wednesday, but has not been cleared for contact yet. Uh, could be the kind of thing where it's not a game, not a decision that's made until game time on Sunday. Uh, which could be interesting, but I would still say it seems more likely he comes back against Dallas. Uh, C.J. Mosley, Jordan Jenkins not looking like they're on track to play this week, uh, while Quinn and Williams is expected back along with Demarius Thomas. Dan, before we dive into all this good stuff, how you been? How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing all right. Doing all right. You know, uh, it's been it's been a wild season. I think uh, it's been a, a roller coaster, even though it's only been about four weeks so uh, i think it's it's been a little uh it's been a little tumultuous on jet's twitter and uh it's been uh it's been fun but it's also been a mix of frustrating dealing with uh all that's come out of that from uh from the fans and even from like team accounts and player accounts so uh it's been it's been an interesting interesting season so far I would say interesting and tumultuous have been the best ways to describe it so far. So much has happened already, and not most of it possible. Right. Unfortunately, uh, a win would be nice, a win sooner rather than later. The mm-hmm. Jets, look, they've been dealing with a lot. Now, despite that, they really have not competed the past two weeks. It kind of felt like they just came out against New England and laid down, and that game was over in two seconds. It was kind of similar against Cleveland. Uh, against Philly... With or without Darnold, and let's assume if they have Darnold, he's not going to really be fully 100% right away as he's working himself back into shape, maybe more of the version he was against Buffalo. Quarterback aside, what other adjustments could this team make coming out of the bye week? How can they change what flatly didn't work the first three weeks of the season? Because we saw roughly the same offensive game plan, candidly, with Darnold, Simeon, and Luke Falk, uh, despite their varying talent and experience levels, what needs to change regardless of who is playing quarterback for the Jets coming out of the bye week? Well, you heard they mentioned, uh, you know, 
Adam Gase mentioned potential changes to the offensive line. He mentioned uh, that he could do a little bit more with uh, how he conducts the offense and all that. Um, and I think those are all relevant. Um, but I think the changes along the offensive line are equal part dangerous and uh, beneficial, potentially beneficial, um, because they their alternatives are either you know, extremely young or someone inexperienced. Uh, I think the change at center is really the um, the one that makes the most sense, uh, given that uh, Harrison's had time with the starters before. Um, they they have a some kind of camaraderie with him already, especially with uh, Darnold long term um, beyond next. Just uh, you know, on Sunday, uh, if they do plan to make that kind of change, uh, Dar- Darnold's already familiar with him. There won't be uh, uh, any process in, in terms of uh, added time to get familiar. Um, so that change makes the most sense to me. Um, any other changes would be uh, honestly kind of big risks. Um, particularly if uh, Darnold does come back. I mean, it's already a risk with him behind that line. Uh, But I think without them having taken time to practice uh, during the bye week with, you know, potential offensive line changes uh, and now coming back to just having a regular practice week, uh, I think making any significant changes could be, uh, could be risky. Um, Although it it has seemed like it's needed, but I think, um, I think they should kind of hope that the veterans on that line could have a little more pride uh, in their in their play and uh, and improve. Uh, but yeah, without um, without that happening, uh, they they could be in trouble. Obviously, um, I think beyond that, they could uh, try to do as much as they can to uh, to make up for that. I think there are things that other teams do uh, with kind of average to below average offensive lines uh, that mask that. Uh, and that's using a lot of misdirection, um, a lot of things that keep uh, either defensive lines or linebackers, anyone in the front seven at bay, thinking uh, the play can go in either direction. Anything that keeps people in, you know, in flux uh, is are things that you should utilize in the offense. I know uh, Joe Blewett's been kind of going through the film. He's seen a little bit of uh, some things that Gase has done that are actually pretty good using uh, Le'Veon Bell in motion, using uh, Ty Montgomery and Le'Veon Bell in the same packages and things like that. All those things help. Anything that is going to you know, prevent the defensive line from streaming upfield and destroying everyone in the backfield uh, because of indecision are things that you need to implement in your offense and things that other teams do as well uh, in order to kind of hide the deficiencies on, in their offensive line. From a personnel shifting perspective, there's not too much they can do. I do think Jonathan Harrison is a potential upgrade over Khalil based on his experience with this unit and just how poor Khalil has played. Uh, I don't think making multiple changes at once is going to help with any of the chemistry and communication issues, which which has been just as big of a problem as the talent issues because they're just missing assignments uh, just as much as they're just getting beat by defensive fronts that are more talented than them. And that problem is not going to go away with Philadelphia, Dallas, uh, New England over the next three weeks, but I think at least if you you get Harrison back in there, there is some type of accountability up front. I don't think us seeing Lewis is too far away. Uh, I think Doga is probably a little further away than most fans think, so I'm not really banking on him uh, starting anytime soon, but I do hope that with this many veterans and with an offensive line coach and Frank Pollock, who is pretty heralded coming in here, one of the few coaches that I think everyone was pretty excited about them hiring, they can clean up some of the communication issues that they had. And like you said, the Jets can be smart about how they utilize their running backs and tight ends. Life will definitely get a little easier when Chris Herndon is back. 
uh, in helping whoever is playing quarterback. And when you get Darnold back, moving the pocket, using RPOs, taking advantage of his athleticism and mobility, um, they're not easy matchups the next four weeks even because you have Jacksonville after New England. Uh, but the Jets are going to have to find a better way uh, than what they did against Cleveland and New England. I think they, they clearly tried a few more things against New England, but the communication just isn't there. And that, that was an issue actually on both sides of the football against New England. When we look, and we, we talked about this briefly on Twitter, when you look around the league, two teams kind of stick out uh, – in terms of being able to compete or manufacture some form of competitiveness with less than optimal quarterback situations. So Jacksonville has had to play a sixth-round rookie in Gardner Minshew. They're 2-2. Two and two. They've been competitive even in their losses. Uh, Carolina with Kyle Allen, an undrafted free agent. He is in his second year with the team. Has put up a lot of points and won a couple games. Uh, even Miami, who's awful, and I would say still been worse than the Jets, has been competitive into the third quarter of their recent games. And if it wasn't for a couple of ridiculous red zone fumbles, which falls into how awful they are, they really had a chance to be beating Dallas at the half on the road a few weeks ago. What are these teams doing, particularly Jacksonville and Carolina in particular, to show up every single week? Again, I didn't expect the Jets to beat Cleveland with a mix of Trevor Simeon or Luke Falk. I didn't expect them to beat New England with Luke Falk. I don't expect them to beat Philadelphia, candidly, either with Sam Darnold or Luke Falk. But there's a difference between not winning and a difference between competing and at least scoring a touchdown or two, which the Jets have one offensive touchdown this year. Adam Gates has three offensive touchdowns in his past six games, which is kind of mind-boggling. So what can the Jets learn from some of these other teams who are playing with quarterbacks who they did not expect to have to play. And I I wouldn't say Jacksonville and Carolina have among the two or three best offensive lines in the league. I think they're better than the Jets units, but it's not like they have Dallas's offensive line out there. Right. Yeah. I honestly, I think when we discussed it on Twitter a little bit, uh, it's like some of it is like kind of a mystic, uh, like a, a, like a confusing mystery uh, because it is kind of like, Hey, like, these are, these are regular human beings as well <laughs> that go through emotions and understand like when things are in an optimal posi- uh, situations and yet they're just kind of performing at a different level. Um, and part of it is definitely depth. I think the uh, Jets obviously have been had, had terrible depth issues from bad drafting in the past and now it's kind of rearing its ugly head in like the worst uh, time possible after spending so much money in free agency. Um I think a lot of it is also uh, just veteran leadership and attitude. Like I think you uh, mentioned also on Twitter, um, I think the type of players that Joe Douglas seems to like to uh, target, particularly when he was in uh, Philadelphia, are the type of players that the Jets really need right now. Uh, players that are, you know, that know what it's like to win championships. Players that know the work it requires to be a, you know, perennial postseason team. Uh, those are the type of players that the Jets need right now. Um, they have a few, but. They don't really have, you know, I, don't, I feel like they don't really have enough to kind of influence things uh, in a certain direction. I think you see it from Le'Veon Bell. A lot of people like raving. Uh, I think Brian Baldinger and uh, also a lot of people, uh, a lot of media members on Twitter uh, are saying that Le'Veon Bell, is, he's, he's still like, he's still Le'Veon Bell. He's working his uh, his tail off. He's, he's going crazy every single week. 
uh, whether it's in pass protection uh, or just trying to churn out yards behind a really bad offensive line, he's still going going off every week despite the numbers not showing that. Um, and that's just because that's who he is. That's what he uh, you know, was kind of born into, I guess, in the NFL and with the Steelers is that kind of mindset, that kind of attitude um, for like a perennial pl- uh, playoff team. So he's not used to that. You can kind of tell that in their uh, – their loss to the Browns earlier this year, you could see him on the sideline and he's emotional, like just from, you know, the constant uh, negativity that's going on on the field. He's you can tell he's like not used to that. He doesn't want that to be the norm uh, with him on the team. And the Jets just need more players like that. Unfortunately, uh, players like CJ Mosley are on the field or kind of out due to injury. They can still have their impact, uh, you know, in, in the locker room or on the practice field, but it's not the same when those players aren't on the field with you, you know, uh, during game day. And uh, I think the Jets just need more of those type of players. I think, you know, teams like the Jaguars, Calais Campbell, uh, you know, just guys that are the, the dogs that Jamal Anderson, or sorry, Jamal Adams was asking for from the front office. Those type of players, uh, teams like the Jaguars have, uh, where they, those are the, that's like the rock. That's the emotional rock of their team. Um, and his voice kind of carries through uh, both like literally and figuratively uh, that entire locker room. So when someone like Jalen Ramsey uh, is in like a crazy situation and uh, who knows like what the deal is with him, whether he's going to get traded or whether he's going to be on the team or not, uh, they just kind of pick it up. And I feel like their locker room is even more special because it really reminds me of uh, what was the former Super Bowl champion Seattle Seahawks locker room before, uh, which was just pure chaos. You know, players fighting on the field, um, just kind of uh, all sorts of rumors off the field. And every single week they dominated because it's just their mindset. Like they, they fight each other because they're just as more, just, you know, just as much likely to fight the opponent because they want to be great. They want, they don't want anybody getting in their way, sometimes even their own teammates. Um, and that's just like a, that's another level. It's a, it's a completely different mindset, I think, than anything the Jets have seen in recent years. And that takes time to develop. Uh, t- a team like Jacksonville seems to have that. You know, you see like Leonard Fournette fighting with an offensive lineman after a win, uh, yelling at him. But I mean, that's just the mindset they have. That if that leads to them grinding out every week, uh, and a guy like Gardner Minshew stepping in, and they have his, you know, he has their full support, just like Blake Bortles did, just like every other quarterback they they had did. Um, you know, like that that makes it a special team because they they kind of elevate their level uh, to hide those kind of deficiencies, to hide everything else that uh, may not be at the level they want it to be. Um, and yeah, that that I feel like uh, that's just where the Jets need to kind of get to. Um, and I it's it's I know everybody hates the culture talk, but it that kind of is it. Uh, <laughs> you know, you either have a team that's geared towards that, geared towards dealing with adversity, or you don't. Digging out of this whole. Uh, that the Jets have put themselves in the past few years. It, it, it's going to be a process because a lot of people on this team don't have any experience winning at the NFL level. Um, that's why all the talk about culture, unfortunately, is really just talk until they start winning and we start seeing more of it on the field. And I think for fans who think that, all right, the Jets, maybe they'll start 0-6 or 0-7, but then they're going to rip off 6-7 in a row. It's not as easy as just hitting a light switch, even when your opponents get easier. Losing forms habits, and the team will find a way to get down on itself faster if they're regularly losing. And I think we saw that against New England, and we saw that last year to an extent, too. I think people forget the Jets were 3-3 three and three last year, and a lot of us right. thought they had a real chance to beat Minnesota and be 4-3 and, and kind of stay in the mix all year. 
you lose that game, you lose Chicago, you have the ugly loss to Miami, and then the season's over and you finish the year one and eight. Um, they've had these prolonged stretches of losing that the current locker room or current crop of younger players, as much as we like them, haven't really been able to overcome. I mean, it, the reality is is that Jamal Adams, Leonard Williams, Jordan Jenkins, some of the other younger guys that were drafted in this McCagnin era have no experience winning on the NFL. All they know is being on a terrible team whose season's over by late October every single year. That's what happens when you go 5-11, and 5-11, and 4-12, and, and then start out 0-3. You have to find a way, and I think having a guy like Le'Veon Bell helps this, who gets that emotional on the sideline. A guy who's been to the playoffs every single year, who's used to being on a winning team where... Uh, you need more of that around you. And you know, that's why, hopefully, the sooner Darnold can get back, the better, because he still needs all these reps. You know, He's only started 14 games. Uh, he needs more experience. He needs more experience winning games and getting on this team on some type of uh, winning streak. And you got to hope that gradually, and a lot of this will also come from drafting better, you find a way to actually turn around the culture by just winning some more football games and finding guys who are going to be able to immediately uh, be contributors and not get so down on a season or down on the organization or down on the fans or down on whatever, uh, just because the team has a tough start. So look, I, you know, I look at these next four games and let's assume Darnold's not going to play against Philly, but is going to play against Dallas and New England. I mean, I would say the Jets are going to be what uh, 14 point underdogs against Philly, probably, 10 to 14 point underdogs against Dallas, maybe 14 point underdogs against New England, and then you go to Jacksonville, you're probably, you know, five or six point underdogs. So it's an uphill climb, but you have to find a way to win one or two of these games to keep life into your season. Because, yes, I know when after the first seven games, they get to play Miami twice, they get to play Washington, they get to play Cincinnati. Uh, they get to play the Giants and Raiders. And those games on paper all look really winnable. Although Oakland's 2-2, two and two, the Giants are 2-2. Two and two. You know, Cincinnati looks awful, but they were competitive week one against Seattle, so you never know. Um, when you look at these next four, what do you think is the most pragmatic – where do you see the most pragmatic chance for the Jets potentially scoring an upset? Uh, honestly <laughs> – it's kind of tough. Uh, I don't really see it um, in Dallas or with Dallas at all. Um, I think that defense is extraordinarily good, uh, especially seeing them in New Orleans uh, the other night was uh, honestly terrifying. Uh, they're incredible against the run. Alvin Kamara couldn't get anything going. Um, and they obviously have a bit of a better offensive line than the Jets. Um, and with their front seven, it's it's basically unstoppable. Uh, so I, I just I don't really see it with Dallas. Uh, I, I if he doesn't play on Sunday, which seems like it's not going to happen. Uh, obviously, Philly doesn't doesn't really look great either. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I I really don't see it <laughs> with any of these games. The New England games can be tough. Um, obviously, uh, they're they're not going to be very happy about the Buffalo result. Um, and that's probably the best defense they're going to face uh, for a while. I think having one game under their belt against them uh, helps a little bit. Uh, and with Darnold back that week, uh, it'll be a much different situation than it was uh, in the first game. 
Uh, but I think they're just too good, uh, especially uh, on defense. And I think that's really the Achilles heel this season is that the Jets need to outsmart defenses uh, on their schedule. Uh, and unfortunately, a lot of those defenses are pretty good. Um, and the, the ones that they kind of could have uh, taken advantage of or at least tried to, um, you know, it's going to be a little bit too late, basically. The, you know, some of the ones that have passed, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, Cleveland week two, um, you know, it's just they, they've had, uh, you know, opportunities, especially with Buffalo in week one on offense uh, to kind of close things out. Granted, Buffalo was a good defense, but, uh, you know, getting a win there changes your season. And now you're kind of in downward spiral. Um, and I don't think it's going to get any easier for them as defenses get more tape about their off, uh, on their offense. Um, so it, unless they have some drastically different offensive game plans uh, in the coming weeks, uh, I think it could be a pretty bad situation uh, for the next four weeks. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't really see a win in there, unfortunately. Yeah, I can't, as it stands today, I couldn't really honestly pick them to win any of these games. My hope is that they prove us wrong and that for some way or for some reason we, we see a very different approach on offense in these coming weeks and the unit starts looking different with a healthy, healthy Sam Darnold, with Herndon back, um, and you hope that they could find some kind of rhythm of what we expected prior to the year of them using – Robbie, Herndon, Crowder, Bell, Montgomery, Powell, um, now Thomas instead of Anuov. Thomas is going to be healthy and contribute. Just mixing and matching and playing up-tempo. It's one thing, if you get Darwin and Herndon back and, you know, you go out and you lose to New England, I don't know, you know, 34-20, but you're, you know, you're trading punches with them for a little bit and you're scoring some points or the same kind of deal with Dallas – uh, those are one type of losses. Other, what we want to avoid are these twenty-three, three, thirty-seven games that are thirty to nothing. You know, in the right. halftime of the third quarter, you you want to have some life in competing in these games, and it's going to be really important, particularly when Darnold comes back, because once he is back and is assumed to be healthy, you really want to see him make some strides and have some big days on offense and put up. 21, 24, 27 points. Even if the Jets are losing some of those games to better teams, those are a couple of things you could feel good about and say, okay, we could hopefully build with this guy, even if this isn't the perfect roster around him or the right coaching staff around him. And, you know, I think a question that, you know, we talked about before the season is that this coaching staff is set up to be particularly combustible with the personalities that they have there. You know, we've seen a little snippiness from. Case and Greg so far in their press conferences, can they keep everything stable if this team is 0-4, 0-5, 0-6, 0-7, or 1-6 or whatever, um, and not let things spiral out of control? So the Jets are actually ready to make some type of run against the softer part of their schedule because you could let this season spiral and go 4-12, and and in my mind, you need to clean out the entire coaching staff then. Or even if they start, let's say they start on seven, worst case scenario, can you over those next six games go five and one, do something like that and get yourself to five and eight where you're not going to make the playoffs, but you've strung together enough wins where maybe you finish the season really close to 500 and a seven and nine team when a lot of people thought you'd be eight and eight or nine and seven or seven and nine this year. Uh, That's what's going to be interesting to see. Can they actually handle business against 
that soft part of the schedule. I think Miami is one thing, and Washington and Cincinnati are probably one thing, but the Giants are not going to be a walkover. Uh, the Raiders are not going to be a walkover. The Steelers are not going to be a walkover. Uh, the Jets are going to have to show up. And, you know, can they win those games? And can they avoid doing something ridiculous like losing to Miami when they're openly trying to lose? And that's going to be a good test of if they can keep this locker room together and if Darnold uh, could show some improvement. I do think his return compounded with Herndon's return will, will absolutely shoot some life into this offense. It's just how much life and can they be a lot better than what we saw week one against Buffalo when, you know, it was the presumption that everyone was pretty much healthy. I don't think I understand that maybe Darnold was influenced in his play with that illness to an extent. I don't think Gase really knew anything or changed his game plan in any way, but he could prove that wrong in the coming weeks when we get Darnold back. So as it stands now, um, before we let you go, who are one or two players, Darnold and offense aside, that you're going to be interested in keeping a particular eye on coming out of the bye week? Uh, so one is definitely Quinnen Williams. Uh, he's obviously the most important rookie on this team, um, but he's probably one of the more important players in general, particularly for the salary cap um, and future uh construction of the roster i think uh there's already like rumors and uh press clippings and all that stuff about uh joe douglas considering uh what he's going to do with leonard williams and i think that uh quinn and williams performance in the next couple weeks is going to be a huge part of that i think if he shows that he can uh dominate on his own um and in particular uh in pass rush i think that's going to be a huge positive mark for him and that could be uh, a potential uh, decision uh, mark for Leonard Williams because if uh, he's not producing uh, as he should, which it's looked like the first three games, um, and that continues uh, with Quinn and Williams kind of on the uptick, uh, that could be it. I think uh, that could lead to him getting dealt uh, because there is, uh, I think, with what's going on around the league and uh, how teams are constructing their rosters, it, it does not make sense. Uh, for the Jets to allocate that much money and uh, that much of their cap to the defensive line, uh, particularly with it not performing as a unit. Um, so I think that Quinn Williams plays well. That could be a huge determining factor for uh, Leonard Williams and also Henry Anderson uh, if they both continue to kind of underwhelm. Um, another player I definitely want to keep an eye on um, throughout the season is uh, – Daryl Roberts, uh, it's kind of a random one, but uh, I think uh, the Jets' cornerback situation has been really, really terrible. Uh, Nate Harrison's been able to get a starting spot beside him, uh, and the Jets kind of just completely dropped uh, Tremaine Johnson. Uh, Daryl Roberts hasn't really had a – he's kind of a quiet and somewhat average to below average season. Um, obviously, the Jets were kind of hoping he – takes a big step and um, kind of solidifies his position, but uh, it's been kind of up and down. Uh, he had a the interception against the Browns. So that was pretty impressive. Um, but I think just in general, he needs to uh, kind of show, show the Jets something a little bit more. Uh, it's kind of a big opportunity for him uh, in his career, um, particularly with all the, uh, the issues they've had there. There's already going to be eyes on the cornerback position. So um, if him and Nate Harrison continue to impress uh, or continue to at least show some semblance of ability, uh, starting ability. 
then it could be pretty interesting for the Jets. They could ha- have an opportunity to really have more depth next year uh, if players like him and Harrison can uh, show some life. Uh, because Poole seems to be a- playing fairly well um, in the nickelback spot. Um, so if the Jets can kind of ride the wave uh, and uh, hopefully the storm settles next year with some good acquisitions, uh, they could actually be in a very different place next year at cornerback than they are right now. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think those two are kind of what I'm k- trying to keep an eye on, um, as well as uh, uh, Blake Cashman, obviously, which I feel like everyone is going to be keeping an eye on, uh, just because of what that may imply with uh, Avery Williamson, um, and if he kind of can uh, form a good partnership uh, with C.J. Mosley when Mosley comes back from injury. Uh, that could be a pretty positive situation for the Jets. Um, so really every opportunity that they have to kind of mix their young talent with uh, veterans or with effective veterans, rather, uh, I'm sure the Jets are going to take that, uh, prefer that over um, larger uh, salaries and things like that, uh, just because uh, that's how that's how you can build around Sam Darnold, especially with uh, his rookie contract eventually coming to a close. Uh, they have to kind of figure out ways they can uh, balance out this roster because um, it's obviously pretty imbalanced right now. Yeah, there's definitely a collection of younger players on defense in particular I'm interested in watching. I think some of the bright spots have been guys like Kyle Phillips, Hairston, Terrell Bisham. Uh Poole has been really good so far in my mind, better than I thought he would be at least. Um Bronson Kafusi has been kind of interesting. So is Foley, Fat Yukasi. All these young, cheap defensive linemen who are playing well and the more well-known guys in front of them. I think there's some interesting players that could potentially, hopefully, build around cheaply. And that also includes Cashman uh, at the linebacker position. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what Greg Williams can get out of those guys and how they're used in the back half of the year. And, you know, Leonard Williams is someone who went from, I think, like 98% of the snaps to 80% of the snaps to 70% of the snaps does that trend continue, and do we see more of a guy like Phillips? Do they activate Frank Myers, who they signed in the waivers, and give him more of a look? I'm curious to see what that front seven rotation looks like. And then offensively, you know, can Le'Veon Bell kind of have that breakout game? I think he's been doing everything he's, he could, and he's playing well. Can they get him out in space in the pass game and uh, make some big plays that will make life easier on Darnold? Uh, I think, you know, I'm excited to see Herndon back. Uh, I think he'll make a nice, a big difference for Darnold. I really hope that the offense is ran through Darnold, Herndon, Bell, and Anderson much more so than Thomas and Crowder. And I like Crowder a lot, but I just don't want to see him get 17 targets in a game. And with Thomas, I'm skeptical about him being someone who's regularly getting a lot of targets at the cost of someone like Herndon or Bell. Uh, so I hope that's what the offense is built around. And I do think they, they could be interesting and exciting to watch a few weeks. I do think, candidly, it might get a little worse before it gets better because these next three games are really hard uh, straight up. There's not good matchups for the Jets. Um, these next four games, I would even say. But then after that, you hope they can start trending in the right direction and stacking some wins together. And we, you know, we see where it goes from there. All right, Dan, thank you for joining us. Everyone, you can follow his work on turnonthejets.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, review on iTunes. Podcast is also available on Spotify and Google Play. We will be back next week with another episode. Thank you, as always, for listening.